my one C under being a professional NFL player was to be a sports agent, whether it's Australia or US, like that's just always been my thing. This is a conversation with Lindsay Crook, co-founder of Ascent Athletics. Lindsay is an Australian former professional rugby player. He also played college football at Cincinnati before becoming the only Australian NFL agent. We chat about playing sport in Australia and the US, as well as the realities of building a sports agency. Beautiful, man. Uh, appreciate you jumping on, Lindsay. Uh, thanks for uh, taking your Thursday out. Um, my Friday morning. Um, how do you find yourself out in uh, Cincinnati right now with everything going on? Yeah, it's uh, it's a little bit crazy. Um, you know, especially right now, we're going through a little bit more lockdowns. It's starting the COVID stuff starting to spark up, but you know, it's it's tough because I speak to people back home all the time, and and they're like, there's no cases at all. But over here, I mean, I I probably know. Probably five of my close friends have it right now. Um, it's it's kind of it's a little bit hectic, but ever I think there's just a different view on it in Australia versus the US. And at this point, the US is kind of a bit of a lost cause when it comes to it. But other than that, I mean, shoot, it's pretty good. I can't complain. When's the uh, last time you went back to Australia? Has it been a minute? It's been a minute. So I went back in uh, 2017. Um, was the last time I went back. Yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah, about summertime, uh, wintertime 2017. Um, yeah, I just, it's so hard working and then you've got to coordinate, you know. I, I try and tell people all the time, like, it's like you're going home to your parents for, you know, Christmas and all your mates are still working, right? They don't take time off to see you. Like, you're off, but they still got to go to work. So your parents are still doing something. They got their lives to live. And so you're kind of just bumming around trying to figure out what to do for a couple of weeks and um it's nice it's always nice to get back but it's it's just easier said than done for sure what about like um from a visa perspective i know uh like this week i had a couple of buddies um you know they got their green cards and they were like you know the first time i can leave the states uh without like fear of losing my job for one or like two fear of uh being let back in um, because obviously everything's tied to a visa over there. Has, has there been any troubles along the way? No. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a, the jump between when you, tra- when you go out of college and go into the working world, it, it, it's really tough um, to get those visas. It really is, um, especially with, you know, Trump when, when he was kind of in a little bit. It may, he didn't make it real easy. But uh, no, you know, I, I tell people get a good attorney, pay him, you know, whatever you got to do. Um, yeah, that, that's the biggest thing right now. I mean, I think a lot of it will open back up um, in the next couple of years here. But I haven't really had many troubles. You know, I'm married, so that, that definitely helps um, the case for sure. But, yeah, I've, I've been pretty lucky and pretty fortunate through all this. Yeah. Um, so if we dive into your story, before we actually do that, you're one of one NFL agent and Aussie being an NFL agent, right? I think so. I, I haven't heard of another one. I'm pretty sure I'm the only one. I know yeah. there's a couple of guys in Australia that, you know, help guys over here, but I know I'm, I'm pretty, sh- I'm almost certain I'm the only Australian agent. There can't be another one. <laughs> I was going to say, man, it's a tough road. I don't think people would have stuck there's it no out. No way. There's absolutely no way. <laughs> um, so let's, uh, let's dive into the story, man. Um, you played ball at Cincinnati, but before that, um, you're a professional rugby player out in Australia. Um, do you want to go into like your childhood and then uh, growing up in Australia, becoming a professional? Yeah, rugby player, man? 
So I grew up, um, I was born in Sydney and I grew up on the Gold Coast, um, played rugby my entire life growing up, um, just was something I always did. I always wanted to be a professional rugby player and that was it. Um, I went to a private school up on the Gold Coast and kind of moved up in the ranks, played in Aussie under 18, Aussie school boys, kind of under 20s, all of that, um, and signed with the ACT Brumbies right out of high school. Um, after a year there, I, I went and did the Aussie Sevens for two years. So got to travel around the world, um, got to do my thing. It was awesome. I got to see some awesome places, meet some really cool people. Um, and throughout the whole time, I had an agent. So I signed with an agent when I first came out of uh, high, high school. Um, it's really not a big deal. I guess it's not really a big deal over there. Um, I didn't really put too much thought into it. I just, a guy came up to me. I was like, yeah, you sound like a pretty decent guy. So this is great. And he had any rep some big name guys so fuck, i don't know um yeah so then i i kind of did that and then you know i think it was going in my third year or end of my second year no going in my third year with the aussie sevens i uh i was at practice one day and i just cut up field and my knee just exploded i mean i had no one touched me i pretty much tore everything up in it um messed me up pretty good so it was funny when i the, the, the physio who came out and uh, he's doing all those tests and stuff, you know, that they do on your knee. And he's like, oh, he's like, look, I, I think you've just strained your ACL. You'll be right six, eight weeks. And I'm like, this doesn't feel right. Got back on the plane the next day and the next day and then got my MRI and the doc just said, yeah, you, you blew everything out. So that was a bit of a buzzkill. But um, yeah, that that was kind of my impetus. And then I, to, to kind of come over here, um, I always wanted to play American football. That was the, that was like my one B to me being a professional rugby player. And just when I was going through my rehab and stuff, you know, your body better than anyone. Um, and I just never felt my knee was getting right. I just, whatever it was, it just, I, when I was, you know, I was four or five months out, I was running and I just never felt great. Um, so that's when I kind of enacted my plan B um try and come over here play american football um get a scholarship and and get a free education you know because my thought process at the time was i could always go back and play rugby um that would always be there if my body held up um and then on top of that i would be coming over here and and having access to some pretty good doctors and surgeons surgeons as well that was kind of my mentality so if it didn't go well i would at least be around great healthcare, well great surgeons and stuff like that so yeah, that's, that's kind of what happened. And I, you know, I, I, you know, floated with the idea for a little bit and, and me and my dad and I just kind of uh, said, you know, one day let's, let's go do it. Let's visit a bunch of schools. And that was kind of the start of the whole process. And then like you get to Cincinnati, um, what happens there? And then why do you become an agent? Because that's so, a natural step. So one of the things that really, like, my one C under being a professional an NFL player was to be a sports agent, whether it's Australia or US, like, that's just always been my thing, um, just to be involved with sports. But also it comes from a little bit of when I had an agent, he was good. He repped some of the biggest names in the game. Um, but what was incredibly frustrating to me is how little contact you, you could have with them. And it was so hard to get them on the phone. Um, and even though you're the guy this year, right, you might be the number one guy, you might be the Joe Burrow of this year, based on everyone else you still got, you're still number like 30 on that list, right? Because there's guys like the Tom Brady's and all of that. So I never really got that when I was signing with an agent. Um, so that was a bit of a kick. And, and I always was like, look, if I'm going to do this, 
one day I'm going to do it right. Um, but kind of before that, you know, coming over to Cincinnati, we literally, um, this doesn't probably mean a lot to a lot of people who haven't been over here, but we landed on National Signing Day. So I had no idea at the time. And this was eight years ago when, you know, Pro Kick, I think, was just starting up. Like they had a couple guys here and there, but no one really knew the process. Like they did a little bit. Um, and I, we landed and then everyone, everyone we spoke to, you know, we, we teed up a couple of meetings, but everyone we spoke to was just like, Hey, we're, we're booked up and we've all got all our spots taken. I was like, fuck. Um, so that was pretty tough, but we landed in Dallas. Um, we drove around, we drove all the way up. My, uh, my dad has family up in Canada. So we drove all the way up to Canada, visited a bunch of schools and, um, then ended up driving back down. But essentially we visited, um, Eastern Michigan was one school and they were like, look, we really like you, but uh, we're out of spots. We'll give you a preferred walk-on spot. And I was still under contract with the uh, Australian Rugby Union at the time. And I was like, I can't, I'm not going to do that. Like that's, it's crazy. Um, so I pretty much, my dad and I got into a big, uh, big spat. Um, I pretty much was like, fuck this. This is stupid. <laughs> this is real dumb. Um, let's, let's just change our flights and go home. And the only reason we didn't was it was a, it was a couple hundred dollars more expensive to change our flights and fly out of uh, Chicago. So we stayed and we finished the trip out. Um, we had one meeting left. I remember that we, I, we actually had a meeting with a call with Michigan and they literally just laughed. They were like, absolutely not. Fuck off. Um, and we had one meeting left with Tennessee. That was like the biggest, that was the big meeting. Um, they were really good through the process. You know, they were really open. They were great. They were really happy. Um, I think we were meeting them on a Wednesday or a Thursday. It was, a, it was a Wednesday and it was like a Monday. So we had a day or two and my dad, you know, I was pretty fed up with calling teams at this point. Like, again, I'm 20 years old. Like I'm calling a team or a college. I don't know what the I'm doing, um, who I'm talking to, what this process is. I'm just like, Hey, they're like, who the fuck is this Australian guy on the phone? Um, so He's like, my dad said, look, did you, uh, have you reached out to Cincinnati? And I'm like, I don't even know where Cincinnati is. No. He's like, I'm pretty sure it's on the way. Like, let me call him. I'm like, all right, cool. He calls Cincinnati in the front, you know, the front desk lady. Her name was Sherry. She's, she's lovely. Um, she's like, look, the recruiting guy's in a meeting. Can I get your name and number? And he's like, no, no, no I'll call back. And she did it again. She said the same thing. And the third time she's like, hey, you seem really sweet. She's like, I'm going to text you his cell phone. You didn't get it from me. He gets home probably around 1030 and give him a call. And I'm like, sweet. Um, so we call him at 1030. Um, you know, he picks up and he's like, look, yeah, I, I don't know who you are, but I'm more than happy to meet and sit down and show you around. Um, I put together like a highlight piece for them doing 40 and all that as well. So the next day we met him, um, walked around campus and he's like, look, I, I really like you. I think this is a really cool story, but uh, I don't make the decisions. You know, he was the head of recruiting, but he didn't. They they just had a new coach at the time. So Tommy Tuberville just got there and Butch Jones had just left for Tennessee. I didn't know that. Um, and so we're sitting in the university center over there, like the, the meeting hall. And we're at a read night and we get a call and they're like, hey, we're going to come over. I'm like, no problem. Um, so we're sitting there and my dad, God love him, he doesn't know football. Like, like most Australians, like they like football, but they don't really know football, if that makes sense, right? Um, it's I don't, they they know the DK Metcalf, Russell Wilsons, they play fantasy and it's all great, but like they don't really know football or what's going on. Um, but he's the same way. So 
two guys walk in, it's a recruiting guy, and there's a big guy behind him, big trench coat, and I was hitting my dad in the leg. I'm like, fuck, dad, that's Tommy Tuberville. And I mean, if you don't know, most people in Australia like probably don't really have a clue who he is. And I was like, dad, that that guy was in the blind side, like. And he's like, oh shit, that, I'm like, that's the head coach. He's like, oh crap, that that's a big deal. So we ended up getting lunch. Um, they did some medical tests on my knee. And pretty much we, you know, we sat down after lunch and he was like, look, they knew I was going to Tennessee um, the next day. And they pretty much said, hey, we're going to offer you on the spot. But if you leave this office, it's off the table. And I'm like, man, like just put you in a tough spot. And I really did enjoy the coaches. Um, the strength staff was important to me because they were the ones that are going to be working with me quite a bit in the medical staff. Um, so I, we accepted it. Um, and literally I, I tell people this and people don't believe it, but I was literally walking out of the office and I get a text from the recruiting coordinator at Tennessee. And he's like, Hey, we just signed our last scholarship for the year for the year. We're not going to be able to take anyone else on. And I'm like, sweet. Um, so then me and my dad went up to Canada for, and see his uh, family for the next week and had a little vacation out of it. And that was it. But that's kind of like the long story short. It's looking back, I would tell everyone, do not do what I did. Absolutely not. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it again. Like I would have it much more planned out. I would, it was just a very, I got very, very lucky. Yeah, for sure. And um, obviously you play it at, at Cincinnati or spend some time there and then you move into um, the NFL agency ranks. Um, do you want to talk about like that transition? Because there isn't a paved pathway um, to become an NFL agent or even work with an agency? Yeah, it's it's really difficult um, to become an agent. Like, not becoming an agent. So the first requirement, you got to have an advanced degree. you got to have a master's or a law degree. Um, so that's, you know, when I was finishing up my playing in Cincinnati, I would, you know, some of my teammates have gone through this process of trying to find an agent. And I was probably one of the, I was probably the only guy in the locker room at that time. I mean, I was, what, 20 four, something like that, um, that had had an agent that had gone through somewhat of a similar process when I was doing it for rugby. So I would help some of them out. Um, not, not a ton of work, just, Hey, you know, what to look for, who to, you know, size, all that kind of stuff. Um, and that's where I started really gravitating towards, all right, I want to do this after, uh, after I graduate. So I, uh, I linked up one of my teammates signed with an agency that were based out of New York. Um, and I basically started interning for them. You know, I started doing work, started watching film, doing scouting reports, um, backgrounds, all of that good stuff. And, you know, one thing led to another. I got my master's and then kind of you have to take it. There's a test that's only given once a year um, for agents. And it's, a, it's about a 30 percent pass rate. So um, it's not super easy. Um, attorneys and all that miss it all the time. Um, so past that and. Yeah, that was kind of the start. I was with an, that agency. I was with them for about another year or so after I uh, finished up, you know, that finished up my certification. And then it was kind of, I kind of sat there. It was uh, two years ago, it was draft class. And I was sitting there and I was just like, man, um, not disparaging anyone. I just said, I know I can do it better than they can do it. Like, I just believe in myself. I know what I know um, and I know what I don't know. And I just had a feeling, I'm like, this is not the way that I would want to run this. So I'm going to do it differently. I'm going to do it myself. Um, and that's where we, we went out and my partner and I, um, at the time it all kind of worked out well. And we had the opportunity to start Ascend and kind of went off on our own. And, and last year was really our first big year that we had recruiting and um, signing guys. Um, and we had three combine invites. We had two draft picks. Um, yeah, we had a really, really good year. It was 
amazing. Um, it's kind of an unconventional route, um, but yeah, it's it's been a it's been a fun ride. And like the the recruiting process of like recruiting NFL. Oh, I shouldn't say NFL athletes. I should say college graduates or guys that are going into the NFL. Um, yep. It's kind of like a, a murky waters. Like there's no sort of, um, you know, standard process on like <laughs> recruiting guys. Um, it's super shady. I think like there's massive area for disruption in this area with like data. Cause like there's so many old guys in this industry and that's no disrespect to them, but they've done mm-hmm. well previously. Um, and they continue to do well, but this industry is one of the few industries in America, or I'd say in the world that, that hasn't been disrupted and data's key. What are your thoughts on that, man? Uh, did I, have I told, talked to you about that at all? Like, no. or did you, is that just your opinion? That's my opinion. Oh, wow. That's, that's actually really crazy. Um, so the reason we actually started Ascend was because of that we, uh, so myself, my partner and one of our other partners we have, he actually was one of the founders and created one of the creators of pro football focus. I'm sure you know about that. Um, and we had a conversation and he literally said, Lindsay, this industry is right for disruption. He's like, I, he, so he'd worked in and he worked with CBS sports in the fantasy industry, the gambling industry. And he's like, there is one industry that hasn't been touched and it's the same old guys that good old boys. And he's like, this industry is right for disruption. And that's where we really started Ascend and started on the premise of using data-driven decisions. So um, that's actually what we do um, better than anyone else. We are the only NFL agency that helps predict guys and how successful they're going to be in the NFL. Um, and we use that at such a high level. I mean, we a couple of our guys last year, we were the only ones that knew how good they were going to be before they actually did. Um, so, yeah, I completely agree that the industry is very uh, – it's shady. Um, there's a lot of money that flies around for sure. Um, but you know, we try and I try and ground myself in, in data, um, and, and stuff that, that can be measured, right? There's a lot of agents that just say, Hey, look, this guy is, look, he's the first round pick. He plays Alabama. He's a quarterback. Great. And it's like, well, hold on. Just let, there's no reasoning behind it. It's, you know, he's going to be a first round pick. So this is the guy I'm going to get where for us, I don't really care if a guy gets drafted or not. Now, I do for his sake because it's his lifelong dream, but I care if he's going to make it play 5, 10, 15, 20 years in the NFL. That's what I really care about um, because once you get those guys, um, it's a game changer versus the, the Johnny Manziels of the world that are a flash in the pan. And, yeah, you might have a good payday up front, but that's not really what you want. That's not really a sustainable business model um, for reoccurring revenue. Um, so that's where we started going out and we, are at, we use – I will tell anyone we are pretty much the only agency that uses and relies on heavily um, advanced analytics and data. Yeah, and like for people that don't know, what's a what's a recruiting year for um, for you in terms of um, getting guys um, ready for the NFL draft and post that, like you know, especially yeah. year when it's like a, a, a coronavirus affected year where shit's just stopping and starting. Yeah, it's been a little bit different this year. Um, typically, our year runs from about May May to May. Um, May we start May in the summertime. We start recruiting guys. We have our big boards. We start, you know, doing all that stuff. And one of the big things for us is is off the field stuff, character concerns. Like we, I don't touch a guy that if if you're going to be a dickhead, I don't care. Like that's I'm not going to even go near you. Um, so. We start in May and then essentially after the college football season, most seniors, some juniors will 
sign with an agent. So essentially that whole time we're selling them on our services, what we bring to the table, um, what we can do for them. Um, and obviously there's thousand agents out there. So they're all, you know, they're getting hit by, I mean, it's, it is chaos for some of these players. It is you know, we, daily, multiple texts, multiple calls every day, trying to figure out who it should be. They're getting bad information from an agent who's never had anyone drafted. You know, it's, there's, it, it's very, very concentrated at the top. So to give you some perspective, I think there's about a thousand agents. I think about 70, I think this year was about 70 to 80 had someone drafted. So about eight to seven to eight percent of agents had a draft pick out of a thousand. It's, it's a very concentrated sample, but a lot of the other agents murky the waters up, right? Whether they're maybe offering money to players or um, it just whether it's getting in with parents and loans, it's, there's a lot of, you know, backdoor stuff. Um, so that's where, you know, we'll sign them in December, end of December, early January. And then what we do is we actually prepare them for the NFL combine and the NFL draft. Um, the combines usually it's in late February, early March. So they have an eight week window where they are going to full intensive training. Um, they are going to a facility in either Florida, Texas, California, wherever. Um, and they're really working on those 40s and all of those drills, their diet plan. Like they're working out six days a week, two times a day. Um, because essentially the NFL combine is the biggest job interview of their life. Um, so in that process, you do like interview prep, you do medical testing. So make sure that you go over every question that they're going to ask because they'll poke and prod um, every, every, every limb you got. Um, making sure you're answering. You know, we've had guys before that, you know, they go into a medical and they'll be like, look, my knee's a little bit sore, man. And nothing shows up in MRI and guys be like, no, nope, not like that. Cross them off. Right. Like, so just telling guys what to say, what to do, giving them financial um, literacy, like just lessons. Cause a lot of these guys, I mean, even myself, you give me a million dollars. I mean, shit, what are you going to do with it? Right. So that's prepping them to be a pro. You're getting them pro coaching from, you know, NFL players, former NFL coaches, um, and that's really the process up until March and then March hits and the, then they'll have a lot of visits with teams. Um, teams will come walk them out. Um, they'll have like a pro day and stuff like that, um, uh, where they do all their workout stuff again. And then that pretty much leads all the way up until the NFL draft day. Um, yeah, it's, it's nonstop from January to draft, well, pretty much from January to December of next of the year. These, the rookies are going full ball for sure. Yeah, and like in the media, you hear like every year in the NBA or in the NFL, you hear guys, you know, once they've turned pro, second year in the league, um, something comes up about them recruit when they were being recruited either to college or by an NFL, uh, an agency, a sports agency, that there was yep. some money on the table. Um, if you have anything that like, I guess, an example that you could uh, share with us, um, where a guy has potentially been taken from you due to money or something like that? Do you have any? Yeah, it's fun. Well, I have like, I have a ton of these stories just cause like you recruit so many guys and you just whittle it down. It's like a funnel, right? You either toss someone out, um, because of this or that, and you know, it's maybe he doesn't stack up well analytically, uh, whatever it is. Oh, we were recruiting a guy last year. He actually went, um, I think he went first round. I think he went in the first round. Uh, big school, and we are. Uh, <laughs> we were recruiting him, and it was weird. So typically, we'll sit down, we'll either we'll break bread with a guy, and and we'll we'll just get to know him, right? Because look, if if in this whole process, if it's all about relationships, that's all it is. I mean, anyone, any agent really is qualified to 
do the job. Now, obviously, some have been doing it longer than others. Some have different skills. You know, obviously, like Gary Vaynerchuk, like if you really want marketing and you want a brand, like absolutely, I got it. If you want to be one of a thousand as well, that's cool, right? So um, there's things that different people offer, different agencies offer. Um, and we'll sit down and walk through that with guys, get to know them a little bit. We typically will meet them at a hotel conference room or we'll go out to eat, whatever maybe. And so we meet this guy and he's like, Hey, yeah, you can just come to my house. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. We've done that before. And then we ended up meeting him. Actually, he's like, yeah, meet me out back. And I'm like, this is super weird. So we're in, we're in like, we're dressed pretty nice. And we meet this kid out the back of his house for the first time. And we chatted for like 30 minutes. It was just, it was very unorthodox. Um, and he was like, yeah, I'm cool with you guys. You guys are great. Like, he's like, I've been hit up by everyone, but he's like, you know, I, I'm just really like, I'm really, I'll look, I'll, I'll sign with you guys. You know, I'm just looking for a little bit of cash. And I'm like, look, look, man, look, uh, we don't really play that game. Um, because it, it just tells another, it reveals a set of underlying values and principles that we're not okay with. Um, if you're going to take cash from a guy you meet in your, in your backyard, and that's what you're basing this potentially life-altering decision on. Don't really like your reasoning and logical thinking. I just that just is an alarm bell that goes off in my head. Um, you know, you could be taking ten dollars, ten thousand dollars cash right now. You're about to be a multimillionaire. Like, do you come on? You know what I'm saying? Um, so you know, we we usually just our biggest thing is we just punt down the road. We say, you know what? Ah, oh, look, yeah, let's talk about it next week. Da, 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 da. So figure out, you know, what you want. Like, and we just. And we do this to gather more information of who's actually giving the money um, because that's more powerful to us than giving the kid money. Um, you know, so we're like going through, he's like, look, I really need, I probably need $10,000 up front and then $2,000 a month. Um, and really like from all the data we've collected, that's not really insane. It's not. Um, I know of a guy, he's the first round, very early first round pick two years ago. He got $200,000 cash um, before he was even drafted. But this kid, you know, we're going back and forth. I'm like, you know what? Who's offering you what? Like trying to be the middleman mediator. And he's like, so-and-so is offering me this, that. So now that helps us going into these recruiting battles when we know exactly who's recruiting them and know exactly who they're offering for what round. Um, it's much more information for us now. We essentially said like, look, kick rocks, fella. Like we're not, we're not doing any of this. Um, and, and, and to be honest, I really thought – he was probably going to burn us anyway. Um, you know, and we even had a, another guy, I heard another story of a kid who he signed with an agency uh, in between the bowl game and the, the last game of the bowl game. And he was like, yeah, I'm committing to, he was, he was a, a very early second round pick and he got paid $100,000 cash by this agency. They had a document um, and essentially it's dated. And it's shame on them for doing this, but it's neither here nor there. Uh, they, so he was like, I'm not playing the ball game. I'm done. I'm going to go to training. I'm good. They signed it that day. Great. They were calling him, setting up training, all this stuff, gave him hundred grand cash. They couldn't get a hold of him. There was a press conference like three days later that was at his school. And he comes out in the press conferences, like I'm playing in the ball game. Like I'm not sitting out. And they're like, okay, like that's bad, but it's not terrible. We'll just sign him later. They never heard from him again. Um, and it's really tough because if you're an agent, you can't say anything to, a, to anyone because you've just given a kid a hundred thousand dollars. You are not going to be an agent very, for much longer. Um, if you're a player, you're not going to say anything either because you know, well, he, he doesn't really have to do anything. I mean, at this point, 
as soon as his eligibility is done, like, yeah, he can get a slap on the wrist off afterwards, but for the most part, he's got a free undergrant and do whatever he wants with it. Um, so it's a really slippery slope with agents, man. Um, you know, as I said, these, if a guy's first priority is money, that's, that tells me everything I need to know. Um, I really want a guy who's really logically logical thinker, um, and really smart that knows, Hey, look, this is a multi-million dollar decision. If I'm basing it on what, 10 grand, shoot, that's probably not a guy that I'm really looking to sign. Yeah, for sure. And, um, like there's a huge difference between, um, the agency game in Australia, um, for one, for the money aspect um, and actually making an agency, um, you know, work day to day, pure revenue wise, because the money mm-hmm. system and two, just like the hyper population over in the States compared to Australia and the competition. Um, you've been exposed to both. I've been exposed to both. Do you want to uh, go into that a little and touch on the differences that you've experienced? Yeah, it's over in there's a lot more room over here in the U S for agents to work, work with, right. You can be a big agency. You can be a small agency, kind of like what you said, there's enough population in the NFL to go around, right? There's 32 teams and there's 53 guys plus practice squad. Like there's over 2000 guys that are on NFL rosters at any given time. Right. So there's plenty of players where if you look at Australia, you know, it's really like, if you're just a, if you're a rugby agent, um, it's really, it's based on volume, right? There's big agencies over there, but um, the contracts just aren't as big. They're just not, you know, the minimum salary in the NFL this year is 610,000. Um, we're in Australia. I mean, I, I could, I may be wrong, but I could probably count on two hands the guys that are making 610,000 over there. Right. Um, maybe between rugby league and union AFL, there's, a, there's more than that, but you under, that's kind of the, that's the main difference. Um, and agencies over there, a lot of times they're a lot more, um, they need to be a lot more versed internationally as well because rugby's not just in Australia, it's in New Zealand and South Africa and uh, Europe especially um, these last five or six years. So um, that's the biggest difference over here. Um, there's just, that, that's the biggest issue is there's just so much money flying around. Um, over there, it's like you get one player and he's making 100 grand, you're making five grand off him, seven grand if that, like, it's really peanuts. Now you're making a bigger chunk, but it's really peanuts in the grand scheme of things. Where over here you have a Patrick Mahomes, you know, and he got a half a billion dollar contract, and his agent at least is making five to fifteen million. I mean, more than that, twenty five million dollars from him, and that's you know what I'm saying. It's just it's crazy money. Um, so when you have that money, you can go out and go out on a limb and say, hey, I'm going to give this guy who may be undrafted. I'm going to give him 10 grand because I can. And I just want to get as many guys and accumulate them as much as I can. Um, and that's the hardest thing about the recruiting is the hardest thing about this for sure. Just the competition is, it's crazy over here where I, I don't, I'm not super familiar with the recruiting process over there, but I, I, I mean, coming out of high school, I had one or two guys on me. I didn't have 150 of them call on me. That's for damn sure. Yeah, for sure. And um, we'll like to give you some context, which I'm sure you're probably not across, but like, over the last week or so in the AFL, um, one of the teams um, like basically salary dumped four players um, mm-hmm. you know, to create some cap room. And it was the first time that's ever happened, right? In the AFL. Yeah. And everyone was up in arms. Um, but I think like in like two, three years, people will look back on, on that trade period and be like, yo, that was the impetus for proper free agency or the free agency that's like more fluid as it is in America. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on like the level of athlete 
um, in America versus Australia. Um, yeah, yeah, go into that for a little. Yeah, um, it's very different, man. It really is. Uh, I, I, I tell people all the time, like Australian, Southern Hemisphere sports, particularly, uh, or even every sport really outside of the US, is geared for the long game. I mean, it's endurance-based, um, where every sport in the US is, besides soccer, obviously, it's, it's, they play a really long sport. So it's baseball, it's football, it's hockey. I mean, they're playing hours. But it's just this, it's the five-second just boom factor, where in Australia, like in rugby, you might have four or five big plays within a, you know, a couple of phases of play. You know what I'm saying? So um, Americans love that, just the, the rush that once every five minutes, I'm going to a massive sweet touchdown catch or a big hit. Um, that's, and that translates over to the athletes too. Um, they're not endurance-based athletes. Obviously, they do play for four hours at a time, but it's, they're not doing anything for three hours and 45 minutes of that. Um, they are, and that's everything from a strength programs to training. That's everything that's geared towards is, is explosiveness, um, and power output. I mean, some of the guys, I remember back when I was touring around the Waratahs facility over there, man, and I just look up the records and I think it was, uh, I think it was like a bench press record from Matt Dunning, uh, like a prop for the, uh, the Wallabies probably 10, 15 years ago now. And he benched like, I think it was 220 kilograms. And I'm like, fuck, that's a strong lad. Um, that's just normal over here. I mean, that is just, that's really not, in every college, I would say you probably have at least one to two people that could do that, no problem. Um, where over there, he's the biggest, biggest guy on the field. You know what I'm saying? That's where it's, everything over here is geared towards, I mean, I, I'm recruiting a guy right now. He weighs, oh shit, probably 90 kilos. Maybe he can squat. What's the conversion here? This is insane. Um, he is the strongest guy. One of the strongest guys I've ever met really quick. Um, divided by 2.2. He can squat 275 pounds. Sorry. Kilos. Kilos. <laughs> I was 600 plus pounds. 600 pounds. So he can squat nearly... It's three X what like and the athletics and that's not super uncommon, right? There's probably two or three guys on his team that can do that. Um, he can vert 45 inches, no problem. He'll run a four three, like just the athlete. But if you ask him to do suicides, man, or you know, and play a game of rugby, like he's going to be gassed, and that that power output's going to be irrelevant because he's not going to he's going to be too tired to use any of it. Um, but that's where the the there's just so many more freaks over here, they're, and that's they're built from age five they'd put in age 10 they put in weightlifting programs and wrestling and that's that's just the difference in, in all but honestly yeah, over there it's long endurance sports soccer rugby afl i mean you got to have a set of longs on you over here all they do is just eat and lift weights every day um and you probably know that as well as i do i mean it's it's a different breed yeah i was gonna say um the other aspect of it is like, and, and most recently, like if anyone watched the NBA draft, like pretty much like every guy had like some massive adversity. Like they're coming from a single parent home. Yeah. They're, you know, uh, coming from an under, underprivileged area, something. So they just, this is like their end goal. And this is how they can, you know, For make sure. generational money uh, where we don't have that over here in terms of like, man, I could rock up and get a 50K job if I wanted to right now. Over in the States, you can't do that. No, absolutely. You're exactly right. And that's, 
that's where a lot of people outside of that don't work even over here that don't work in professional sports get it twisted um this is their goal like if you're an nfl player i represent a guy he grew up without heat in his house like he this is his end goal and and, and you know i tell people people go from age 10 to 18 they go you know school high school all that they they, they work and they study um, then they go from there, they go to med school, college, and then they, by the time they're 30, they're done, right? And this is their job, this is their career. Um, that's what they've invested all of that 20 years or 10 years, whatever it is, into becoming smarter, becoming better, and into their profession. This is the same thing with athletes, except the athletes don't have anything after their playing days. So they, when people see these massive contracts and see guys holding out, they get pissed. And it's like, well, hold on, this guy, he's got to get every penny because after 30, he doesn't have really any tangible skills. He doesn't. So when he's making 1.6, that's making up for every single day that he didn't make anything from ages 8 to 20, 23. And then it's making up for everything after 30 when his career is done. So you add all the hours up all the time. These guys are like, they're not, yeah, they're getting paid massive contracts, but in the grand scheme of things, like it's not a ton, man. It's really not. And what are your thoughts on like, guys from Australia, like transitioning, like pro guys, let's say Jared Hayne, for example, Valentino Holmes, transitioning, trying to play in the NFL. You know, um, I know like guys when Jared Hayne, even Valentino Holmes are over um, trying to do their thing. Um, you know, guys in the NFL or the Aussie books who are, you know, happy for them, but they were just like, hold up. Like we've been here a minute. We've been holding it down. Where's our press? Where's, you know, where's some love from back home? Yeah, it's... It's really tough, man. I know the Aussie media, like, like when Jared Hayne came over here, like they fucking pumped him up real hard. And, and, and he was all like, he was honestly one of my favorite players to watch back at Paramount. I mean, he was, he was awesome. Um, and it was a really big, you know, bit in Australian media, but it is people ask me like, Hey, he's going to be successful. I'm like, look, this guy's athletic. He can probably, he can probably run the ball with the best of them. Um, the problem is he's 29 going on 30. Um, it is incredibly hard to understand the nuances of the NFL. The, the position he's playing, running back, um, it's incredibly hard to pick that up and be super successful within he, a, a very short period of time. The, you know, the average lifespan, I think, for running backs is 29 years of age. That's it. And most of them are out by then. So he's coming in when most of them are coming out. Um, into a foreign sport, learn, that learning curve is huge. And over here, they don't, they don't care. It's either you go or don't, because guess what? There's 150 guys that I can pick from that are going to come in and know this better than you. Um, so the learning curve is really, really hard. And I told people, it's going to take him probably eight, a good 18 months, two years to know. I mean, just to understand the play calling of the NFL, it's not even your play. You've got to understand what the defense is doing. Um, you've got to understand every nuance of the game just about. Um, and, and a lot of it's really hard because a lot of it doesn't come naturally to the, the Aussies, right? Because we didn't, I didn't grow up playing at freaking NFL. I don't, I don't have a clue. Um, you know, the, the plays in rugby and the, and the moves and stuff, they were really easy. But over here, I mean, we're talking hundreds, if not thousands of plays that have just been ingrained in the kids since they were knee high, right? Um, just little nuances of the game that you just pick up when you're that age. So it makes it really tough for guys like Jared Hayne, um, you know, I, I would love to get some guys when they're younger over here, um, get them in a development program, um, because I really think there's a, there's a huge opportunity for it. I think the the athleticism, um, 
because I think Australian athletes can compete, honestly. Uh, I really do once they get into a program, but it just, it's so hard coming over late and just having a crack at it. Yeah. You get paid well. Um, but man, it's, it's really tough. You got to be probably, I'd say less than 25 and say, give it a real crack. I mean, you see, you know, there's a guy like Jordan Malata. He's over here playing for the Eagles now. I mean, he's doing okay. Um, he's not the best right tackle in the NFL, but he, you know, he survived. And that's where, you know, it's probably worth it for him. Honestly, he went through the international ranks. Um, yeah, it's tough. It's, it's definitely a tough endeavor. Um, and it's not as bad, just as easy as just, well, I'm just going to run the ball off the field. Like that is, I think that's a misconception that a lot of Australians probably have. Um, Hey, he can run the ball. He can return kickoffs like a champ. Well, it's a very, very different sport. Yeah. And I was going to say, um, something like the way Matt Leo at the Eagles, um, has yep. done it. So, you know, going to Juco, I don't know how he did that, but hell, credit to him yeah. um oh, iowa state then goes to the eagles with the international pathway that's probably the game plan if you want to be that's, that's what you got to do you got to go through the international pathway um that's what jordan did uh, unless you're a punter or a kicker like that's if you want to play a position that's what you really got to do you have to and what's like if we move on what's like the once a player's been drafted in the nfl um and they've sort of made it onto the 53 uh, actually, before that, let's go. Let's go. Cut day. What's cut day like for you? Horrible. Cut day's <laughs> horrible. Um, cut day sucks, man. It's it's probably it is the worst day of the year. Um, you just never know what's going to happen. You know, I, I was on a uh, a call with one of my guys. He was yeah, the first year. He was on. The, he got dropped by the Patriots. Um, he won a Super Bowl his first year, so he's kind of like everything else is gravy at this point. Um, he cut day. I was in California for it. Um, and I kept calling him every hour, two hours. You just never know. I knew, like I knew from the team, team members, personnel and all that, like he was making the team. You just never know um, who they're trading, who they're bringing in. Called him every hour. And he's like, when's he look? He's like, I'm moving to a house. He's like, stop calling me, please. He's like, I'm fine. He's like, Bill Belichick's told me I'm fine. I'm like, I know he's told me you're fine too, but you just never know. Um, comes out, it's four o'clock deadline. Um, 3.20, 3.30. I'm like, all right, he's probably okay. And then he calls me. He's like, hey. He's like, I just got called in the facility. And I'm like, it's probably not a great idea. Not a great, like, it's not a great look. And I'm like, oh, shit. Um, so he's like, I didn't, no one important called me. He's like, their direct, their admin girl called me. And she said, just meet me in the front desk. And he's like, that's weird. And I'm like, oh, shit. In my head, I'm like, I already know what's going to happen here. He's probably going to get traded or something. Um, and they wouldn't call him. I called the director of player personnel. like and no one would pick up. And obviously this is a hectic time for them too. And, you know, I'm scrolling through Twitter, which this is the fucked up part. I'm scrolling through Twitter and I, it's 3.55 and I'm like, all right, what's going on? I'm like, you at the facility yet? He's like, yep, I'm on the phone with him. And I see Adam Schefter pop up, tweet. His name's Keon, Keon Cross. And he's like, Keon Cross has been traded to the Houston Texans. I'm like, Keon, you've been traded. He's like, what? I'm like, yep. Like, so... That shit is really aggravating for agents. Like we typically, sometimes aren't even the first people to know. Um, you know, Bill Belichick or someone will leak it to his buddy or Adam Schefter, like whoever it is, someone on the inside. Um, and he was moving into his house that day, so that's what makes it really tough. Um, but he's in a good situation now, and, and Houston. Whenever you get traded, it's always bittersweet because you're going to a team that really, really wants you, right? Yeah, so. Sure. Cut day sucks. Um, probably the worst day of the year, but uh, yeah, it's it's part of the process. What about like aside from cut day, like a year round um, sort of 
aspect aside from like we've touched on recruiting, but more so like looking after your NFL guys, what's that encompassing? Um, a lot of it's the pre-draft stuff. Um, we try and frame our guys up, but then it's, you know, it, they'll have leases. We got a break, right? At their college hometowns, they, uh, you know, guys, they, they're like, Hey, do I need to buy a car? What do, do I lease a car? Do I buy a house? Where do I live? Like they don't know. Like some of our guys just don't know. You don't, you go to a foreign, you get dropped off in a foreign city. You've never been before. One of my draft picks this year, he's from Hawaii originally. He, he didn't speak English before he came to the, like the mainland U S. Um, and he's just, he got dropped in Denver and he's like, I, right, where do I, I don't, do I ship my car here? Like, do I like all of these things that uh, I guess regular people through the education system have got, like these guys just have missed a lot of times because they're focusing so much on, on football, which is fine. Um, but he's like, I don't even know. I've got to get an apartment. I've got to get a car. I've got to, I've got to get a financial guy. Cause you can't just dump $600,000 into my bank account. Like it's not going to, they're going to be like, what's going on here? Um, so, you know, getting a tax guy cause they get taxed in every single state they play in, right? It's, it's different. So if you don't have your taxes, right, you could end up with a huge tax bill at the end of the year. Um, it's nutrition planning, it's trainers, it's, it's marketing and branding stuff um it's non-stop honestly it's it's pretty much year round the only downtime is really during the summer months um you got a little bit of downtime but if you want to have a good recruiting class you got to be on the road and start recruiting for the next year um but that's really after the super bowl um nfl combine that's like kind of a downish time where you're maintaining any recruits and but yeah that's that's pretty much it i mean the, the most stressful day is cut day draft day is also the the best worst day of your life so, what tough. about like the uh, off-field stuff? You touched on like marketing and branding. I think Keon has like his own web page and things like mm-hmm. that. What, yep. what do you guys do in terms of that capacity? Is do you like give it to someone else and give some experts, or do you like have that capacity in house? Uh, we do it in house um, for our guys. So we do, you know, people. We have pretty much our I don't know social media marketing team. They do a lot of that. Um, they'll do graphics you know, for the guys, brands, logos, website stuff, um, which is really helpful. Um, it's just a service, like it's ancillary, but you have to offer it, you know, cause if you don't, someone else is. So it's like one of those, one of those things in the recruiting process, like, look, I, this shit is nominal, but I have to offer it. Cause if I don't, that could be something that they really care about, right. Or having a brand and having a logo, all that stuff. Um, but yeah, most of our guys have, uh, have logos, brands, foundations, even where they're giving back charity wise. Um, that's pretty important for a lot of guys as well. Yeah, for sure. And um, I guess like a couple of points to um, wrap this one up. Uh, what do you think like the next sort of, you know, you're going into like the, the draft prep stage, you're going into signing up your guys. Um, it's sort of like unknown waters right now in terms of what's happening with coronavirus. Uh, what do you think like the next sort of three months is going to be? What do you think um, like your, I guess your recruiting class is going to shape up like, um, yeah. Do you want to give us some background on that, man? Yeah, sure. Um, it's Corona. It's going to be interesting. Um, football over here is a different beast. I don't see them shutting down. Um, NFL, certainly not college. Maybe there's some liabilities on that front. Um, but you know, they're just going to like, we got some memos from NFL teams today from the NFL. Um, they've just got really increased COVID restrictions. The NFL is not slowing down. They may push back some games here or there and have a, a week in between to make sure everyone doesn't have COVID. Um, so they're not going to slow down. So the NFL season will probably keep going ahead. 
college, as I said, May, you'll see games postponed and canceled and all of that. Um, yeah, it'll be really interesting. You know, we're coming up, you know, some teams, their last game is in the next 10, 15 days. So, you know, we're on the road, we're recruiting. It's been nice from our standpoint of being able to Zoom with players and not having to travel as much. That's been really nice. Um, but yeah, they're making decisions and the, the, the next month is kind of, uh, it's, it's crunch time. So we'll be on the road quite a bit. We'll be visiting guys. We've got a, we got a really good draft class lined up. Um, and obviously you never know. Um, our goal is just to make it to the top three, top five in every situation. Um, and, you know, you essentially, we call it batting 300, batting 400, right? If you can hit 30% of your guys, you're, you're going to be fine. If you can bat 40%, even better. If you can, you know, sign 40% of them, um, in that 20 to 40% range, that's what we try and look at. Um, we don't sign a bunch of, we don't try, sign 20 guys. So we'll probably have five or six, uh, probably five to eight guys, depending. Um, I would say we'd probably have four to five draft picks, give or take as well. It just depends how, how the coin lands um, this next couple of weeks, man. We've got some really exciting guys that we love, our analytics love, um, that pan out and hopefully are going to pan out. So you know, the senior bowls in January, um, that's still going ahead. We'll see what happens there. Um, I think that the combine is really the, probably the only place you're going to be able to get any information on players this year. So if you're not invited to that, it's going to be really, really tough. Um, and we're adjusting accordingly, right? If the guys aren't getting combine invites, um, it, it, it makes it tough for us to sign them, right? Because less information for teams, less likelihood of getting drafted, um, just all of that stuff. So It'll be interesting, um, but it'll be definitely exciting uh, month to come. For sure, man. Uh, appreciate you spending the last hour with me, man. Hopefully you had a bit of fun. I had a bit of fun. Um, hopefully you dived into a few topics that you probably haven't been talked or haven't talked yeah. about in a few years, man. Appreciate it. Cool. Thanks, honey, mate. Appreciate it.